It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum Podcast that looks at news and views and culture from a Christian perspective, but open to all. We have got so much to this week and uh, my voice is not that great, but I've been doing this kind of mini series on the top 10 songs guaranteed scientifically to make you happy. Well, this is my version of it anyway. And at number six, there's, there's this wonderful song. I can't play it all because it's 10 minutes long. Um, but it's the battle from the Gladiator film by Hans Zimmer. And I used to love this one when listening to it when I was cycling. And it always brought a smile to my face and also give you energy. So here's uh, probably the most famous part of it. cheered you up before we start. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the world, some of it not so cheery. But we are going to look at the subject of hypocrisy. Now I was reading Pascal's Ponce's, truth is so obscured nowadays and lies so well established that unless we love the truth, we shall never recognize it. And I think that hypocrisy and lies go together, truth and light. And you know, sometimes we just get so cynical in terms of what is the truth. Now, uh, those of you who are longer term listeners t- to this podcast will know that this is one of my favorite songs, but I have to play it here. No short head, yet a That is John Lennon wanting politicians to give us the truth. Everyone to give us the truth. Now, Lennon, of course, could be accused of being hypocrisy because he was the man who sang Imagine There's No Possessions whilst owning a number of houses, several cars, and so on. But nonetheless, the sentiment of the song that we want the truth is so important. So I hope to be able to give you some of the truth as we look at the hypocrisy that is involved in our culture and... I think one of the important things when we do this is not just to 
point fingers at other people or to see it in, in politics, but to be aware in our own lives how easy it is for hypocrisy to come in. Let's begin with this uh, very important election. We're going to take you live now to Brazil, where supporters of Lula da Silva are celebrating his victory in the country's presidential election. Now, it is evening time there at the moment. It's after 8 o'clock. The leftist former president narrowly beat incumbent right-winger Jair Bolsonaro in the second-round runoff. Lula, as he's commonly referred, has promised uh, a suite of environmental and social changes, including an end to illegal mining and the scaling back of logging projects in the Amazon. Now, Jair Bolsonaro uh, courted the vote of the very large evangelical constituency in Brazil. It wasn't enough for him. Um, His opponent, Lula, got in, but by much less than had been anticipated. But what struck me about it in terms of hypocrisy was, you know, when you divide the world into simple black and white, so Bolsonaro, according to the ABC or the BBC or the Guardian or others, bad guy. Therefore, his opponent must be a good guy. Even though he was in jail for corruption, nonetheless, he must be a good guy. And it's interesting because although they were talking about Bolsonaro disputing the election, if if he didn't get it, claiming it was stolen from him, When the results started coming in, I noticed the Guardian were already preparing for Lula to lose and were beginning to talk about how it should be disputed and how it had been cheated. So it seems that that this claim of cheating and, and disputing elections, it seems that now is fairly standard for almost everyone. And then there's the other thing. There are people... Our political leaders, and I could name several of them, who are kind of tweeting, isn't this a wonderful thing? And... You know, basically, Lula is great. And you'll notice the papers, what they do is they put in things like pro the environment and so on. But this is an interview he just did with Time, talking about Zelensky, President Zelensky of Ukraine. He did want war. If he didn't want war, he would have negotiated a little more. That's it. I criticized Putin when I was in Mexico City, saying it was a mistake to invade. But I don't think anyone is trying to help create peace. Um... People are encouraging war. You're encouraging this guy, Zelensky, and then he thinks he's the cherry on your cake. In the West, we tend to think we are the world, and we tend to think that other people want to be like us or on our side. But there's something called Brits. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China, BRICS rather, sorry, China and South Africa. And fascinatingly, recently, Saudi Arabia has indicated that they may be joining them. That would be far bigger and far more powerful than the West. We live in a strange world, don't we? Other election news um, in Israel. I find this astonishing, but uh, Bibi back, Benjamin Netanyahu. We're not 100% sure of the result yet, but it looks as though he may get a slight majority, which would be an astonishing comeback um, for a man who's currently on trial for corruption. I I personally think that's probably a very disturbing situation. And then um, in Denmark, the Social Democrats just got back in. They they seem also just to have uh, scraped in. Now let's come on to the United States. And I think there's a very profoundly disturbing uh, development here. Um, Listen to this from President Biden. 
Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy at ri is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. They, too, see that democracy is on the ballot this year. This is also the first election since the events of January 6th, when the armed angry mob stormed the U.S. Capitol. I wish, I wish I could say the assault on our democracy had ended that day, but I cannot. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of election that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. Now, there's things he says in that that make a lot of sense. But there's also an enormous problem. He, he seems to be implying that only if the Democrats win will democracy be, be preserved. That's not how democracy works. It's not just if your team wins. If, as, as is now expected, as the polls seem to be indicating, the... Republicans win the November uh, elections in the House and the Senate, then that's democracy at work too. But what Biden is saying is, if you vote for us, you're voting for democracy. If you vote for the other guy, that's not democracy. That itself is not democracy. And he's also made a rather strange claim. Of course there are people. Uh, Donald Trump, amongst others, was his behaviour after the, the election which he lost was disgraceful, to be honest. But I'm... I, Hillary Clinton is the same. She, she's just quite remarkable. She has made numerous complaints along the same idea. She claimed that Facebook had stolen the election from her, talking about fake news. She claimed that Trump was an illegitimate president. She urged Joe Biden not to concede an election night should the race tilt towards Trump's. Um, in 2002, she stated at a fundraiser that the then-President George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. Uh, there, there are just so many other examples. And I, I just regard it as hypocrisy. She's already warned that the Democrats are about to... They're not the Democrats, the Republicans are about to steal the election. Listen to this. We also have to look ahead. Because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican controlled. Do you see what she's saying? Right wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And what does she mean by right wing extremists? She means the Supreme Court of the United States. That's a pretty extreme statement. But, you know, she's gone even more worse. Um, in 2016, you know, we're talking about the, the, the use of um, abusive language. And I want to come on to the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband in a moment. But they're right. 
about the rhetoric and the use of abusive language. Now, Hillary Clinton does that. She called half of Donald Trump's supporters deplorable. On MSNBC on Tuesday of this week, she said that voters didn't really understand the threat to democracy from voting Republican next week. I'm not sure they really understand the threat to their way of life. She's regarding voters as idiots, and it's it's remarkable, really. Quite remarkable. So let's come on to this attack on uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband. Now, this shows the worst of American culture at the moment. A man called David DePapi, 42, was charged with uh, assault, attempted murder and attempted kidnapping. He went into the home of the Pelosi's and Paul Pelosi has sustained serious injuries, including a skull fracture, and is still in recovery. The police found rope, tape, gloves and zip ties in his possession and observed a broken glass door to the back porch. Now, it seems to me that we're talking about hypocrisy here. Donald Trump was very, very slow to condemn that attack, and I think that's hypocrisy. I really do. And then there are people who are kind of on the conspiracy side of things, and they're talking about, oh, there's something fishy about this, and maybe there was some relationship between them two. And again, I find all that disgusting, people speculating about what we do not know. But also, on the other side... When you get people saying, well, this is because of the rhetoric uh, from Donald Trump and others, that this kind of thing occurred. And that's been just repeated ad nauseum. Yeah, but it doesn't quite fit with that either. So DePape was in Washington for an f- appearance at a fundraising event for an LGBT group on Saturday night. His house had environmental green slogans, LGBT slogans, BLM slogans. He may well have bought into lots of other conspiracy theories as well because it almost seems certain that he was uh, not mentally stable. Michael Schellenberger uh, says that he lived with a notorious local nudist in a Berkeley home complete with a Black Lives Matter sign in the window and an LGBT rainbow flag emblazoned with a marijuana symbol hanging from a tree. Schellenberger says a closer look reveals the characteristics of a homeless encampment or what Europeans call an open drug scene. It is very foolish for people immediately to jump on and say, this is part, this is political terrorism. What if it's just a man who's out of his head on drugs, who's bought into all different kinds of conspiracy theories, right or left? And then there's one other thing to notice in terms of the hypocrisy. Somebody tried to assassinate Justice Kavanaugh of the Supreme Court. It was on page 20 of the New York Times. And in the metro pages of the Washington Post, it was just a little bit of suburban gossip. But Pelosi tech has been top story on news outlets in the US and in the UK and in Australia for days. When Justice Kavanaugh was attacked, Biden and co. did not call it an attack on our democracy. That's what I mean by hypocrisy. You have to be consistent in this. Okay, let's move away. Uh, Guess what I'm going to talk about? Listen to this song. Come 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 come
Come from the land of the ice and snow. That's the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin. Now, I had a lovely lunch. We had a lovely lunch with a couple of Vietnamese boat people who came over several years ago to Australia after the Vietnamese War. Listening to their story was incredible. They're actually our dentists. They are wonderful, wonderful people. And Australia is a country that does welcome many immigrants. It it has to. It needs them. And uh, I would hope the United Kingdom, I would hope the United States would be countries that would welcome refugees. And instinctively, I want to accept all of that. I agree with it. I think we should be looking out for refugees and countries should have a suitable refugee policy. A welcoming policy. But this week, the UK Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, who is herself a woman of colour, just to left-wing people, she's the wrong kind of woman of colour, who is herself the parents of immigrants of Mauritian and Kenyan Indian background and who is a Buddhist. This is what she said in the House of Commons, to much uproar. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast and which party is not. Some 40,000 people have arrived on the south coast this year alone, many of them facilitated by criminal gangs, some of them actual members of criminal gangs. So let's stop pretending that they are all refugees in distress. The whole country knows that that is not true, and it's only the honourable members opposite who pretend otherwise. Madam Deputy Speaker, we need to be straight with the public. The system is broken. Illegal migration... Illegal migration is out of control, and too many people are more interested in playing political parlour games, covering up the truth, than solving the problem. I, Madam Deputy Speaker, am utterly serious about ending the scourge of illegal migration, and I am determined to do whatever it takes to break the criminal gangs and fix our hopelessly lax asylum system. Now, I've seen Christians post on here, this is evil. And yet I listened to it and I thought, what did you say that was actually wrong? And she just basically stated the facts. In 2020, just over 8,000 people crossed the channel illegally. This rose to 29,000 for last year. Currently this year, it's over 40,000. Now, some are genuine refugees. Some are asylum seekers. But many are not. And she was right to say that. Albanian men aged between 20 and 40 now make up the largest proportion of those illegally crossing the channel. Albanian men make up 18% of all crossings, or 10,000 people. Now, Albania is not a war-torn country. These are not young men seeking refuge. They are being ferried over by Albanian criminal gangs, which also trade in drugs, guns and prostitution. Dan O'Mahony, the UK Board of Force clandestine threat commander, said last week that many of these men come to the UK purely to work in the criminal underworld before returning to Albania. Do you know, currently, one in 180 Albanians are seeking asylum in the UK. It doesn't help real refugees to ignore that fact. 
And I think the system is broken. I think that, of course, it's easy to virtue signal. It's easy to indicate to others that we are pro-refugee, to show that we are good people. But I don't think it's so easy to, to, to act. And I, I do wonder at what people's policies are going to be. You cannot have open borders. And it's the same in the US. Now, I wish that we would be more open to genuine refugees. But how do you find out who are genuine refugees? And there was another statistic I came across. The average acceptance for asylum seekers in Europe is about 40%. In the UK, it's about 70%. 70% are accepted. As I say, there's something wrong and there's something hypocritical in this. And then speaking of hypocrisy, here's Lord Frost pointing out a certain hypocrisy in the House of Lords. The issue is clearly not about abortion services themselves, but about the right to protest and the right to persuade. And here the distinction I made between persuasion and intimidation I think needs to be maintained. And I'm, I'm not sure that Clause 9 quite does that. I have no difficulty with subsections 3, C or D, but I, I don't think it can be right that this Parliament should make it illegal, for example, to, quote, seek to influence in subclause A or persistently occupy in clause B or uh, inform or, in, or attempt to inform in Clause E. And that's true whether it's in the vicinity of an abortion clinic or anywhere else. So from comments made by ministers here and in the other place, it, it seems, I, I sense uh, they, they feel they're on uncomfortable ground and are looking for help on this, this subject. So I'm sure there will be amendments in this area and I, I hope the government will give them a, a fair wind. He's talking about the bill going through Parliament to stop people either protesting or praying outside abortion clinics. And he says this, I don't think it can be right that Parliament can make it illegal to seek to influence, persistently occupy or inform, attempt to inform. And that's true whether it's an abortion clinic or anywhere else. They want to make it illegal almost to argue against abortion. It's funny, Maria Caulfield, the Tory MP, who's just been appointed as the Minister for Women, and she supports cutting the abortion time limit, and she voted against the buffer zones. And The Guardian, of course, gets straight into it. They had Harriet Wiestrich, the director of the Centre for Women's Justice, saying, we are horrified that a clear opponent of abortions rights has been appointed Minister for Women. We hope Maria Caulfield will keep her personal opinions on the issue of abortion to herself. What hypocrisy! Those who are pro-abortion, you can say what you want. You're against it? No. By the way, some good news. In the US, abortions have fallen 22,000 in states where they were banned, although they've increased by 11,000 elsewhere, which suggests people travelling. But nonetheless, it means that at least 10,000 lives have been saved. Is that not something to celebrate? Speaking of hypocrisy, let's come on to uh, Hancock, the uh, Matt Hancock, Tory minister, former Tory minister has decided to go on I'm a celeb and he's had the Tory whip removed from him which means he's no longer a Tory MP and he said he wanted to go on I'm a celeb because it engages it gives him an opportunity to engage with the 12 million Brits who tune in every single night and he's doing it for political reasons and he's doing it for publicity to, to help people and all that kind of stuff and to connect with the people Hancock is a great example of a hypocrite why? 
Remember, he was the man who passed these draconian rules that prevented people from visiting the sick and the dying and being in contact with others, whilst he himself was having an affair, breaking his own rules, and he was forced to resign. Then let's turn to South Korea. Um, there was just a disaster there. The Hang duk the Prime Minister has spoken about the tragedy of the Halloween festivities in Seoul on Saturday night. At least over, I think it's 156 people died as thousands of people squashed together in uh, and just horrific tragedy as they, as they were celebrating Halloween. And there are questions being asked because two weeks earlier, a concert by K-pop superstar BTS, attended by 55,000 fans, was manned by 2,700 security officers, but there were only 137 in Ichuan where the, the, this disaster took place. It's just so sad. And what's sad also is that North Korea have been firing missiles and South Korea have actually fired one into the sea as well to show they can do it. One of you sent me, uh, I've, I've sometimes played K-pop or other Korean type music, but this is a beautiful piece and I think very melancholy given what's happened. Sun Woo Junga. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. A beautiful tune. Listen to a bit of this. <laughs> Let's go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, I wonder what you think we're talking about next. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night, I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He cuts down trees, eats his lunch, he goes to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays he goes shopping and has buttered scones for tea. He's a lumberjack and he's okay, he sits all night and he works all day. That's, of course, Monty Python, the Lumberjack song. Uh, we're talking about environmental hypocrisy, of which there is plenty in spades. Um, a company that's received billions of pounds in green energy subsidies from the UK government is cutting down environmentally important forests, a BBC Panorama investigation has found. Drax, 
runs Britain's biggest power station, which burns millions of tonnes of imported wood pellets, which is classed as renewable energy. Some of that wood comes from primary forests in Canada. This is a converted coal plant, which now produces 12% of the UK's renewable energy, and which has received £6 billion in green energy subsidies, for which the taxpayers, of course, pay. Burning wood is considered green because you grow the trees again, but it actually produces more greenhouse gases than burning coal. Recapturing the carbon takes decades, and the offsetting can only work if the pellets are made with wood from sustainable sources. Do you know there's so much hypocrisy around all of this? We were told that there would be loads of green jobs in the UK. In 2014, there were 235,900. In 2020, that had fallen to 207,800. In 2014, there were 93,500 green businesses. In 2020, it was 81,000. The turnover, 43.7 billion in 2014, and in 2020, 41.2 billion. Hypocrisy is everywhere. Um, The Dutch have the largest gas field in Europe. With Russia cutting off their gas, people need gas. But the Dutch have decided they're not going to open it up. Let the poor go cold. I love this clip from The Simpsons. Tonight's game is brought to us by something special. A kite's best friend. The flag's partner in patriotism. You've seen cherubs blow it from map corners. The wind! Yeah, blow me some sports. Let's fight or the ramparts we... Or the ramparts we what? Don't worry, I'll go see what's wrong. What the? Who turned off the wind? Dad, if we're really off the grid, then we won't get power when the air is still. Oh. Well, I'm not crawling back to big electricity. From now on, the Simpsons are living intermittently. Okay, enough said on that. I realize my time's really moving on. Um, We're going to talk about Richie Sunak and his Hinduism. Now, I'm not objecting to a Hindu being... Uh, the Prime Minister of Great Britain any more than I object to a Buddhist being the Home Secretary or a Muslim being the Mayor of London. But just listen to this. Now, now look, we're also joined by Shailashvara, Conservative MP for North West Cambridgeshire since 2005 and also a practising Hindu. Uh, good morning, Shailash. Uh, tell me, how would, how would you say Rishi Sunak's Hinduism will perhaps help him with the huge pressures of being the Prime Minister? Well, of course, the central theme of Hinduism is the principle of karma, and it believes in reincarnation. So your deeds or misdeeds in one particular life will lead to, it will determine the quality of life that you have next time around. So with the, the life of a politician, clearly it's pretty turbulent at times. And I think the way I would look at it, and I'm sure Rishi will look at it, is in terms of if when things are going well, uh, then that is a consequence of his karma from a previous life. Uh, and when things aren't going well, then it would be again on the basis that, well, this is something that was predetermined on the basis of what he did or didn't do in a previous life. The so red, so uh, is, there a sort red. Of, is there a sort of acceptance then about what happens? Perhaps um, some people talk about perhaps a sort of inner calm about what happens in your life then. Uh, absolutely. There's a philosoph- philosophical element here in that you uh, accept what uh, uh, 
life you have on the basis that uh, this is the life that you have built for yourself. Of course, the principle of reincarnation uh, means life after life, but it does eventually end because the way it goes is that if you continue to lead good lives, then eventually your soul will, will be at such an elevated level that it'll merge with the oneness that is God and then the cycle of rebirth stops. Now that shows one of the fundamental differences between biblical Christianity and Hinduism. You need to think about what's being said there. Deeds or misdeeds in past life determine your life now. Karma determines everything. Everything's predetermined from a previous life. Now that allows the rich and the wealthy to say, well, we deserve it because this is from a previous life. And it allows them to say about the poor or the suffering, well, you've got bad karma because of something you did in a previous life. You deserve it. I think that's fundamentally unchristian. Of course it is. It's a works religion par excellence. so glad I don't believe that instant karma is going to get me I don't want what I deserve I want mercy and grace from God speaking of which um, the Mormons they have invested billions of dollars while grossly overstating their charitable given they've amassed a hundred billion in a tax-free fund that invests in multinational companies a former member describes them as a business dabbling in religion <sighs> breathtaking there have been a whole lot of shaking going on around here all day, and uh, it's been uh, as a result of a fellow dropping in by the name of Jerry Lee Lewis. As you know, you young folks especially, there's a hit record right now called A Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. Here he is jumping and jolting, Jerry Lee Lewis! from 1957, the Steve Allen show. Imagine how shocking that would have been at that time. Jerry Lee Lewis. His, mar his life was marred by scandal and violence. I would never put him up as an example. For example, age 22, he married his 13-year-old cousin, Myla Gale Brown. He was a musical genius, though. And I found this fa fact fascinating. His last album was a gospel record with his cousin, ev tele-evangelist Jimmy Swaggart who'd preached against his music when they were younger. So much that could be said about that. Join us next week. I hope my voice will have recovered by then. Please feel free to uh, send in any comments or any news. Uh, I'm very happy for that. Any criticisms as well. 
any questions, go and have a look at the Ask website, www.ask.com.au. And also, of course, you'll get all the links for this on my own website, www.theweeflee.com. There is so much hypocrisy, but do you know this? There's no hypocrisy in Christ. There's no unfaithfulness in Christ. All our faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. It just goes. But God is always faithful. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Rebecca sent me this. Cy Knightley, who I hadn't heard of, uh, uh, because I mentioned rap last week. And Faithful, I think, is, this is, I think this is a great song. So I'm going to leave you with it. I was caught in the trap. I was torn, believed in the de- enemy's lies and falling for all of his chat. And of course, he was sure to attack. And I was asleep and snoring at that. But then I cried to the Lord and brought me, he sought me and kept calling me back. Hallelujah. Well, that's what we have as, as Christians. We should, we're not surprised at the hypocrisy within the world. But we're thankful for the truth that is in Christ. So... God bless you and see you next week. Bye. But salvation is free for me, cause it paid completely so sweetly you'd keep me. I'm a political son in the kingdom make me. Oh sovereign God and King, you're faithful. You saved me from a sin I stand. Held by your mighty hand, you are faithful, faithful, faithful. Oh sovereign God and Savior, faithful. And though I wait, will you remain? Even on my darkest days, ever faithful, faithful. Your ways are amazing and wondrous. You wake all the way with wonders. Those who have walked away, in your grace you chasten, come for us. The elect who were saved, and yet in the days like pagan slumberers. Now with hearts hard to the Father, and forget what the Saviour's done for us. Yet yeah, it's awful, in fact. There was me, I was caught in a trap. I was torn, but believe in the enemy's lies and falling for all of his chat. And of course he was sure to attack I was asleep and snoring at that But then I cried to the Lord who had bought me And you sought me and kept calling me back Hallelujah. So I'm saved from my waywardness Now give you with the praise and glory. glory And great is your faithfulness Lord you will never change your for me Cause your favour never wavers Your grace in Christ ever reaches Lord you saved my life so I preach this Your steadfast love never ceases mm-hmm. Oh sovereign God and King you're faithful You saved me from my sin I stand Held by your mighty hand you are faithful, faithful, faithful. Oh, sovereign God and Savior, faithful. And though I waver, you remain. Even on my darkest days, ever faithful, faithful. Lord, you are faithful in all of your ways, everything you say and do. Lord, you are faithful in all of your promises, everything you say is true. Faithful every season of life, so all of my praise is due. Help me to be pleasing you, Christ, I want to be faithful too. Lord, you are faithful in all of your ways, everything you say and do. Lord, you are faithful in all of your promises, everything you say is true. Faithful every season of life, so all of my praise is due. Help me to be pleasing you, Christ, I want to be faithful too. Mm-hmm. Oh, sovereign God and King, you're faithful. You saved me from a sinner's stand. Held by your mighty hand, you are faithful, faithful. Oh, sovereign God and Savior, faithful. And though I waver, you remain. Even on my darkest days, ever faithful, faithful.